0: This week in Physics Twist.
1: The patriarchy escapes its terrestrial home and enters the International
0: Space Station. How your brain invents sounds that aren't there.
1: And how hatred of dubstep has expanded into the insect world. Hey, Duncan.
0: Um, You're not Quill. No, I'm not Quill. Quill's off hiding away in a little hole being sick. Being sick. I think she might have had, she might have the same illness that I had recently. Yes. Interesting.
1: Interesting. Yeah, a bit of an issue with a pathogen somewhat in the
0: physics household. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) It's all floating around airborne diseases or something. Um, But that's all right because you are a special guest today, which is nice. And I think we've got a couple of good stories, actually. No,
1: I'm really looking forward to this. It's been a lot of fun listening to the Twist episodes, and hey, more to come.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about was one thing that we actually touched on, I think it was last episode, when we very excitedly announced that there was going to be an all-female spacewalk.
1: Which yeah, is supposed that's big to happen news. on March,
0: March 29 is when they said they were going to do it. And, um, you know, we quoted from one of those astronauts uh, that she posted on Twitter, which apparently she can do from space. Amazing. Uh, and she was like really, really excited to do it. Lo and behold, didn't happen.
1: Yeah. Did not happen. And
0: it set the internet a flurry. Absolutely <laughs> on fire. Um and you can understand why, because when I first saw it, I was like, Well, this is ridiculous. How could they not? This is just the patriarchy gone mad, you know.
1: <laughs> and and of course we're talking here as two guys, of course. So Absolutely. it makes it just, just as bad. Yes,
0: exactly. Mm. Um but you know, we'll we'll do our best to <laughs> explore this explore this topic. But yeah, the idea was that um there was gonna be an all-female uh, team doing spacewalk. So that means that the actual astronauts were women. Um, as well as the people manning the controls and all that sort of stuff. It was supposed to be all women, which is the first time it's actually happened.
1: And it's not as if they came up with it overnight. I mean, these people train for years Absolutely. to do these things.
0: Yeah. And the other thing was that it wasn't actually, um, according to the spokeswoman who was talking about this, um, Stephanie Shearholz is her name, she basically said it wasn't actually orchestrated to be that way. It was actually more of... Um, there was an element of chance. It just said, these are the people who are available. These are people who are on the International Space Station. So, they're going to do the spacewalk. just so happened that they're all women. But that's, then, yeah, didn't didn't go to plan. So, it's
1: kind of like you got your football team. You know exactly who's going to play, but then something changes and you got to make something up. And
0: now you haven't got the equipment. Yes. That's exactly what happened Right, here. <laughs> Exactly what happened here. So, you know, when they announced that this was going to be happening, they were, you know, quite forward in saying, look, this could change. You know, plans change all the time. Schedules change all the time. Uh, if it, you know, is deemed to be necessary. But then, what they discovered was that one of the uh, one of the astronauts decided that her suit didn't fit anymore. So she had actually trained. They have they have multiple sizes of spacesuits, and she trained. And they actually have different sort of components. If you can call them that, it's not just like a big spacesuit. There's actually arm components, and there's leg components, and there's torso components. And she had trained with the large torso and the medium torso, and she was like, "Yep, I'm good to go with either one." But then, on I think it was March 22, she discovered that she was um, best in a medium, and not a large. The medium was not available.
1: And it's yeah. not like you exactly FedEx it up top, though. though. No, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? And it's kind of tough too because, like, you're trying to predict these things. I mean, they go up into the atmosphere, and your spine stretches. Everything changes.
0: Everything changes. Mm. Yeah, there's, a, there's so many different um, variables in mm. this in this kind of thing. And she basically went, "Look, I don't feel comfortable working, you know, in this particular torso component. Um, so I'm just going to bow out." So it was a basically, actually, as it turns out, it was kind of her choice to to not do it. And importantly, like, I mean, it's not like she's looking after a $100 piece of gear. I mean, <laughs> No, this is millions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, NASA describes them as personal spacecraft, right? Well, so they are. They are, absolutely. <laughs> um, and like I said, a sort of mix and match of different components that come in multiple sizes to make sure that they're actually, you know, they fit as best as possible. But if you don't have that medium torso, then it's, you don't feel comfortable working in that environment. And she was like, no, I'm not gonna do it. So the other, the actual medium that was available was done by one of the other female astronauts. So that went fine. But the thing is, there was another medium available on the space station, but you can't just swap it in. You know, it's not like putting on a new phone case. <laughs> not that simple. Cause they have to do a lot of testing yeah. to actually make sure that this, you know, is screwed together properly. Cause if you get a leak, You know, you're screwed, basically.
1: Yes, (laughs) screwed from not screwing properly. Exactly. Got it. Yep.
0: Um, And you know, because you're going out into a very, very harsh environment, you want to make sure that everything is working in its tip-top condition. And they just weren't comfortable in doing that, so she got replaced by some guy, who I (laughs) he's probably the most hated man in space at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, His name was Nick Hague. And so they'd worked together um, previously. He'd already started doing battery upgrades and all that sort of stuff. Um, so he's probably not in a great place in the minds of the people right now. But apparently everything went well. I've seen some photos from that actual mission and it looked like it went well. So, yeah.
1: I guess it's probably the issue is that, um, I mean, when the tweets go out and whatnot, you've got 140 odd characters for things to go out. And the issue is you will take your side or your opinion. If you don't do any more research than that, and off goes yeah, you, know, you, you get this echo chamber of just
0: rah. Yeah, and it's like the same kind of thing happens when people read headlines and not the article, and they miss all of the nuances that are in, that are included in that. So
1: it's a bit of a PR thing for NASA right now.
0: Oh, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean they've got great PR, so I think they've done a fairly good job of kind of quashing. That's not the right word. Um, <laughs> like mediating all of this news, but when it first came out, everyone just freaked out. It's like, the Patriarch is in space.
1: I mean, immediately I looked at it and went, whoa. And then, um, I mean, I was actually uh, presenting um, at a recent conference about Destination Moon, which is the upcoming National Science Week theme, and that was just... A topic that naturally came up. I did it really. Yeah, it did. And people from the floor were just asking about it, and frankly, I hadn't read into it properly. I said, "Look, I'm not going to make an opinion quite yet because I haven't read this yet."
0: Not the person to do it.
1: And then, no, no, I'm not the person to make the judgment, especially because hey, I'm not national. I don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah, so you didn't do the thing of um, a phrase that I heard recently, which is something like having the confidence of a me- mediocre man, something like that, because you could have just you could just made it up on the <laughs> I spot. I could have totally done not that you're mediocre at all. Man.
1: I could have Dunning Kruger it totally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: how I live my life. <laughs> That's
1: it. And uh, maybe you shouldn't live yours that way yeah. <laughs> if you're listening on it. Yeah, exactly.
0: That's no, cool. Um, so, yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up because, you know, we were very excited about that to happen. Myself and Quill were very, very excited. We We talked about it very briefly. And then when it didn't happen, you know, I didn't read the article. I read the headline and I freaked out. But it turns out there there are actually genuine reasons behind this, and NASA had already planned for it and all that sort of stuff. So we do have to be a little bit more careful before jumping to conclusions about this sort of thing.
1: True, and It's an inevitable thing that it's going to go ahead at some
0: point anyway. Yeah, well, it had to. It's a battery. I mean, if they didn't do the battery replacement, then the uh, space station would be in a pretty bad place. It'll get
1: cold and hot and cold and hot multiple times a day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Got That's it. it
0: the, Variability in temperature is something like hundreds of degrees.
1: I think. Oh, it's spectacular. Yeah. It's, it's amazing just, the, just how that structure can actually handle the stresses. For yeah, getting it would,
0: be, it would expand. And contract. Yeah. Like, like, and is is it 12
1: times a day or something like that? Some, I mean, sorry, if you're out there, just correct me. And I just said off the top of my head. It's something like that. They're going around a great rate of knots. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Mm. And the other thing is that it has to be um, – the temperature has to be regulated inside as well, which is insane. To yeah. think about, because it's it's obviously not just the expansion and contraction, but the heat of the sun that would heat up the inside. But they'd managed to do a pretty good it's job of regulating. it.
1: quite uh, impressive air conditioning contract to try and work out with the uh, engineering with that.
0: Yeah, it's really wild to think about. And how, that, how on earth, that's not the right phrase, how on earth, but how do they install thermal regulation that works that well?
1: Yeah, it seems to me um, something that <laughs> we could easily get into a whole bunch of ways. I mean, the thing is, like, I mean, people do a lot of work on tiniest of tiniest components, let alone a major system, like finally life support. I hear it's important. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty important. Shall we move on? Why not? All right, beautiful. Now, this one is a story that you brought to me that I don't know anything about yet, so I just want to let you run with it.
1: And to be honest, I only found out about this this morning. I was having a look through all these different things because, hey, I knew I was coming on the Twist podcast. Mm-hmm. And I went, one of the things that got me thinking, and thinking about like previous episodes that you and Quill have done, is that you've been really into sounds. Yes. Like, like, totally so. And there's just been one that just, I went, really? You may have heard about this. It's literally, your brain can hear silent sounds. GIFs. Now, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. Is it GIFs or GIFs, by the
0: way? Ah, this is an interesting one, because (laughs) apparently the person who invented it or the organization who invented it have declared that it's pronounced GIF, but then the entire internet just went, no, it's not. It's clearly GIF, because GIF stands for Graphics Interchange Format, and graphics is a hard G. Yeah, right. So, it should be GIF, right? Yep. So, I'm going to go with GIF. With and the wisdom of the internet.
1: And when I think of GIF, I think of, like, the uh, floor cleaner. like a the cleaner. or something the like GIF. that? Uh, no, no, Jif GIF for real. I mean, they're, they're product placement, yeah. <laughs> effectively. <laughs> we don't do that. No, no, we're an independent podcast. No, we are very independent. <laughs> this, this, this segment's not spoke, Sponsored <laughs> done by, by, GIF, <laughs> yeah. by GIF, But, um, no, anyway, I told you I'd go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. But... Out of the Journal of Cognitive Neuroscience, there's this weird article which I went, wow, this is kind of cool. And there's a number of authors, and uh, maybe in the show notes we can list them because there's a bunch of them. Mm. But uh, one was talking about this. There's this idea that you can listen to, your brain will create these strange sounds for what you're seeing when it comes to a GIF or a GIF, whichever way you want to call it.
0: Because GIFs, as we know, are silent moving images. Yeah,
1: it's kind of ones you see often um, in Twitter, usually, where yeah. it's like, you know, a couple of frames of a funny thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely,
0: but there's no sound to it.
1: Absolutely right. Now, this is the weirdest thing. Now, seriously, go onto Google or your favorite search engine and type in "skipping power lines" or type in "SpongeBob flipping burgers." Or there's like the one where there's a guy just jumping off a bridge and splashing into water. And here's the thing: your brain knows what uh, booms and splashes and things like that sound like. Yeah. And uh, here's a weird thing: you're watching a silent movie. It's like you know, going back like a hundred, nearly whenever the first movies first <laughs> came out. The silent movies. Oh, God. I know I know what it is. But early
0: 1900s what? with that like ragtime music sort of thing.
1: Yeah, we'll have to get future dunking onto that because <laughs> to be honest, Just I'm
0: not... fact checking. That's but, it, about right.
1: Yeah, some, a long time ago. So here's the thing. So this is, I mean, I must say, firstly, when I thought skipping power lines, what on earth is that? And think of those, you know, those high, serious high voltage power lines that power mm. like an entire city. I have seen that one, actually. Yeah. yeah I have seen that one. It's cool. Like you've got these two frames of a power, if you haven't seen it, you've got these two frames of a power line, the wires are flipping around like a skipping rope and there's a big power right. line jumping it. Doosh,
0: doosh. That's the sound that it makes, right? It That's my brain. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Which meant that I had this weird situation, which a number of people have called a visual evoked auditory response. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm just going to call it VR, It's too hard. Okay. So that's what they call it in the article. Yeah, it is visual dash evoked. Auditory response. Gotcha. Okay. Got it. So I'm just going to call it for you. So here's the deal. They found out, and this is actually a research was coming out of the City University of London, where they found out that people with visual ears, this visually evoked auditory response, can use both their senses, their eyes and their ears, to hear silent
0: motion, which wow. freaks me out. That is weird. So your brain is sort of. What um sinus, what's the word that I'm looking for? Oh, S- synesthesia. Synthesize. Yeah, sort of like that. Sort like, of. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's synthesizing it's... the information from two different sources.
1: And it's kinda of strange. So like so they came across this phenomenon and hey, like it's good sign let's go check it. Yeah. Okay. And so what they did is they played two very specific wavelengths at people's auditory areas and their visual areas. D-
0: different wavelengths as oh, in,
1: as uh, in like, of sound. Yeah, like, like Morse sex- code sequences, which is kinda of strange. Like, That's all I got out of the article. I actually yeah. have to go in deeper to find out, well, what is it? Is it an electrical stimuli or whatever? Okay. Yeah. Not too sure. But you've got these very clear stimuli, so to speak, mm-hmm. being th- plugged at someone's auditory s- s- area and their visual area. Now, here's the thing. Uh, if people had watched something like you know, the skipping – I keep on talking about the skipping um, power lines because, frankly, mm. it's just the weirdest thing I've seen great. in a while. It's great. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. When they found that people who don't respond to the skipping power line to hear the boom, the boom, the boom as this power line jumps up and down, uh, they actually found that when they stimulated the currents into their brain – if it was near their visual center of their brain, it dropped their visual performance but improved their audio performance. What? Uh, yeah, it's like you got to get your head around that for a start. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like i got to write this again. So – if it's near the visual center of your brain, so think of the back of your head. It's called the occipital lobe, back where you have the visual stuff in your brain.
0: Isn't, that's also a wild point, by the way, that the visual center of your brain is at the back of your head, we, not the front like you'd think it would which
1: be. Which is why if you uh, fall off your chair and you hit the back of your, like head, your head, you see you, stars.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Which is just strange. And, yeah, don't do that. It's <laughs> <That's, laughs> not the greatest experiment. Don't sue us. Don't, I've said this so many times on the podcast. Please don't sue us.
1: Maybe we should um, have that. He's like, maybe that should be the name of the podcast, Don't Sue Us. <laughs>
0: Anyway, we're no. 26 episodes in. I'm not changing it now. That's right. So no, <laughs> we're saying we twist. Uh, yeah, so,
1: so if it was near the visual center of the brain, it dropped the ability to see stuff effectively and, and improved the ability to hear stuff okay. you know, from a simplistic point of view. Yeah. And if the stimuli was put near the auditory area, so just above your above your ears near the parietal lobe, if you yep. want, if, if the neuroscientists out there, hi to all neuroscientists. <laughs> you neuroscientists, hang on, there's near the temporal area. I, I don't know. I'm <laughs> I'm a, a generalist biologist, but it's there. <laughs> if they plug the stimuli near the auditory areas of the brain, it improved their visual performance, not their hearing performance gotcha.
0: so it's kind of like for this group of people who don't experience via yes then it's like their brain can only do one of the things at yeah. once and not both
1: pretty much now it kind of sort of opens up the question about well, how does the, obviously the brain process stimuli for a start? I mean, that's the point of the experiment. Mm. But it sort of makes me makes me think. Well, what does this mean for the greater public? Now, the issue with this particular the the study, and they do freely acknowledge this, is they did only have a short, small uh, group
0: of people. Sample size, yeah. Yeah, sample Which size. Is how many? Fifty people. Uh, okay, for this sort of study, I think you'd need a bit more than that. Yeah, yeah
1: and the, mind you, though, they're saying that like, it, it's still pushing towards a potential, this might be a real thing.
0: Yeah, it's indicative only.
1: And so. he was cool about this, and perhaps this is maybe a little bit of a selection of an area. Of those 50 participants, 16 of them were <laughs> from the London Royal College of Music.
0: What? Yep. That by, that's not by coincidence. That's... I don't know. I think we'd have to dig deeper on that. That is weird. Okay, because that introduces obviously some kind of selection bias effectively well, into that's the it. study.
1: Cause what what they found and this is like a more likely like you know when you look in studies you can always find like more correlations, not effecti- not as effectively causation, but you see stuff, right? Mm. Uh, they found that the people up in the London Royal College of Music more were more likely to report experiencing veer than non musicians anyway.
0: They were more likely yes. if they're musicians. Okay, cool. That kind of makes sense, I guess, because their brain would be more linked up for auditory stuff. Is that, yeah, you, it's is is that how idea. you would
1: interpret it? So uh, Yeah, that's how I interpret it. Yeah. Uh, if
0: we were to ascribe some sort of causality to it, it might be because of that.
1: Yeah, it might be. It needs needs further study. Yeah,
0: or it could be that people who have their you know ears linked up better are more likely to be musicians. We don't really know. Maybe. wrap yeah. a bit of math through it and yeah, exactly. <laughs> instant musician. Let's apply some statistics. <laughs> um, right. But then there could be a third one. This is why we don't link correlation with causation.
1: Exactly right. And that's actually the point. And the, the thing is they found that the people who do experience veer, this visual weird auditory thing that happens with these gifs, these GIFs, is that it made no difference whether they stimulated the auditory area gotcha. or the visual area. And therefore it implied that potentially something's going on.
0: Yeah, and so when you watch the the skipping power line thing, do you hear it? Totally. Yeah, so do I. But the thing is, I don't think that we can say that, for me anyway, I don't literally hear it, but I experience a sensation of what that sound would be like. Does that make sense? Yeah, but
1: I actually wonder what would happen if you looked at the GIF. I'm going to GIF or GIF because I'm, <laughs> I'm freaked mm. out. The GIF, uh, it... Would, what would happen if you looked at a week and a week after and a week? What about a year after? Would it be the same sound in your head? Would you, Yeah, right. Like, as your experience changes over time, would you there, you know, add different sound effects to this oh, thing? I'm so just if wondering.
0: You hear, if you hear other noises that are sort of booming and thumping in that kind of way, would yeah. it be replaced with new ones that you would?
1: Well, are you, would you be accessing a memory area?
0: Yeah. Because the thing is, like, I hear a big booming thumping noise, but I'm wondering, like, What booming, thumping noise am I drawing on from my personal experience?
1: I mean, to me, it sounded like something out of Jurassic Park. Yeah. With the the
0: T-Rex. Totally. Yep. And then you can see the glass of water.
1: (laughs) You know, they actually do with the glass of water thing. I believe, I mean, tell tell us if we're wrong, of course. But I believe it was like a, to be able to create that ripple effect in the cup. Mm. They had a string put underneath a table or something to that effect and they plucked it really hard. And And it produced enough harmonics, enough vibrations to be able to make it do the ripple effect that was the Jurassic Park. Steven Spielberg,
0: you've done it again.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, there's just an amazing, I mean, you know, they they struggle for ages until someone says, what if we just do a string thing?
0: Yeah, a string thing. That's right. String theory. That's right. You'd be amazed how many times Jurassic Park has come up on this podcast. Well, you've listened. Yes. So so many times. It's like, oh, it just reminds me of the time that the velociraptors opened the door and stuff like that. (laughs) And yet here we are again talking about Jurassic Park. So that's another study to look at. Yeah. Why? It's like Jurassic Park and Lion King for me. Always, you know, they're top of mind. I don't, I don't know why, but there you go. <laughs> Actually, Jurassic Park was your doing, so I'm not. Yeah, care of that
1: one. I, yeah, I'll take that. The, the, the guest brought it in, and yeah, my bad. Yeah. But I do want to hear what happens because I know they're intending on doing a larger study, mm-hmm. and it'd be interesting to see what happens. Remains to be seen.
0: So I think what we should do as well is, with our lovely colleagues here at Physics, we should ask everyone: Do they hear something? Well, we can contribute to the study. Yeah, we can. Yeah, exactly. Because how many people work here? Oh my god!
1: Actually, you know what? Anyone listening in on that, go, just seriously go, just type in various, you know, moving g- gifts and go mm. find find ones that. And let Great us know. Sounds, yeah. Maybe we I can just be feed, really feed them and let them know. I mean, I don't know how, how, how fair testing we're doing here, but we're providing that. It's, it's hardly scientific. Yes. That's, that's, that's another good name for the, for the podcast. <laughs> hardly scientific. Hardly scientific. <laughs> we we can't spell physics for a start. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We,
0: think we spell it that way because we think we're funny. Yeah. But we're not. We try. Um, <laughs> uh, the other thing that we could do is this would be kind of like the um, Laurel and Yanny thing. Yes. So it's like who falls into what camp. Yep. I think um, – Quill, she's not going to hear it. She's not a musical person. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, Quill. <laughs> she's sitting somewhere in a bed with a thermometer in her throat. Yeah. Just, she
1: nearly <laughs> checked on a the thermometer okay. just then. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, yeah.
0: Very interesting. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, I think. And um, shall we move on? Why not? All right. The last one that I wanted to talk about, this one, this is a great story. This comes from a friend, uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Bri the Fly Guy, who isn't really a friend of the podcast, but I hope will be in the future.
1: Anyone called Bri the Fly Guy probably should be the friend of the podcast. Absolutely.
0: So Bri the Fly Guy um, is Dr. Brian Lessard, whose claims to fame uh, – he's basically a research scientist at the CSIRO. One of his claims to fame uh, includes naming a species of fly after Beyonce. I
1: wonder if Beyonce knows. That's so cool.
0: I hope so. If not, I'll give her a call and I'll let her know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I found out, out about this through him because I follow him on Instagram. And – The reason that I really like this story is because, you know, as you mentioned before, we like to talk about audio things. We like to talk about music things on this podcast. So previously we've talked about, I think it was on the last episode, we talked about how if you play um, hip hop music to cheese, it um, produces better flavors, which is just insane. It sounds so silly to say out loud, but that is genuinely true. Um, And it also links back to a story that we talked about before about how, why zebras have their stripes. Okay, And the answer basically for that one was that it stops flies and other insects from landing on them and biting them. So basically, this is all about mosquitoes and how we can possibly lessen the impact of mosquito bites. Mosquitoes carrying things like Zika and dengue viruses, um, which are still massive, massive problems. So they're trying to think, you know, we can use things like insecticides to reduce that and so on. But let's try something a little bit more novel. And... These people from, oh, my God, which uh, universities? So many universities. It was the Hi. University of Malaysia Sarawak. There's a mosquito research and control unit in the Cayman Islands. Fukuoka, Fukuoka University in Japan. Oh, my God, there's so many. I'm going to put it in the show notes. <laughs> but they basically figured that if you play these 80s Egyptian mosquitoes, different, like, play them music, a specific type of music, then... There are major differences in the way that they feed, which is feed on blood, and their mating as well. So they, so have they, two they groups like Barry White is more.
1: <laughs> 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 if they played something else on, we want less, less of that. Got it. So they didn't yeah. do that. Maybe she did there's a control in an area.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Right, it hey, works for me. Uh, no, so what they did—the music that they chose—is the fantastic music of Skrillex,
1: which is really cool. And, and, and <laughs> I mean, so, uh, so right. So the idea is to stop breeding, right? Stop a breeding and
0: from stopping biting. Yes.
1: So because Skrillex doesn't bite,
0: <laughs> I think Skrillex just stops breeding generally, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so basically, they had this control group where there was no music played. Mm-hmm. to uh, To these mosquitoes. And then one where they played a track called Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites okay. by Skrillex. And they noticed that of the mosquitoes that were played Skrillex, they um, stopped feeding as much, stopped biting, and they stopped what they call copulation patterns, which is, you know.
1: So they're seeing these Are we allowed happening? to talk
0: about this on this podcast, man?
1: Well, we are scientists. This <laughs> okay, is a, science, this a research. And I'm just sort of <laughs> thinking here. So they, they didn't breed as much. They, Yep, got it. So they see some numbers that say so. But why?
0: So they basically think it's because that particular track has a huge mix of low and high frequencies. It's also quite noisy. Yeah. As as, as a sort of – as a sound, it's very, very noisy. Where, like, if you think of Barry White, he's just – he's smooth, baby.
1: So if we put some, like, thrash metal or something out there –
0: Which I think we should – (laughs) because yeah. <laughs> I mean, Megadeth all day. But um, you'd probably find the same effect, right? Right. You would, because it is just so harsh. And what happened basically was female adult mosquitoes, it says here, were entertained by the track, Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites, which I think means more distracted than entertained. Right. Um, and they attacked the hosts. Later and less often than those in a dubstep-free environment, <laughs> uh, and also the occurrence of blood feeding activity was lower when the music was being played.
1: Interesting. So, do you reckon um, like local councils and whatnot might take this on?
0: What, well, just like a PA system?
1: <laughs> <I'm> just, <wondering, laughs> just putting in amongst the mangroves and wherever else they're <laughs> turning up.
0: Yeah. So, in the national parks, there's just there's- these huge
1: speakers. Because you got the you got these issues, of course, because, um, I mean, I get, get we want to control um, mosquito populations because they do carry disease. I mean, mm. they are a vector. Uh, but you got this other issue that if, you know, perhaps the local population might like Skrillex mm. or perhaps they might see it as noise pollution. And totally. You've got, and you've got a problem. I,
0: I feel like on some days I'm in one camp and some days I'm in the other. I used to really like that album. It's kind of similar, actually, to, to um, you might have heard about, you know how we talked about this today earlier, actually, about how, Kids can hear higher frequencies than adults. Absolutely. As you grow older, your capacity for hearing those higher frequencies diminishes. People like shopping centres. What they would do is they play really high frequency sine waves to um, deter teenagers and youths from hanging out in like the the car parks. Because they shouldn't hang out anywhere ever. No, that would be that'd be terrible. terrible. Yeah. It would be
1: terrible. <laughs> so what they
0: did, yeah, they basically like played this really annoying high-pitched tone mm. that only children and teenagers could hear in the effort, you know, in the hope that they would no longer hang out there. Apparently it works, but so, like this is kind of similar. Right. In that if you like put a giant PA system, maybe you wouldn't, you know, in the mangroves, maybe you wouldn't play dubstep, but maybe you could play some sort of high-pitched and low-pitched sound or perhaps just, like, white noise that humans wouldn't respond to or something like that.
1: I wonder if there was a correlation, not a causation, but a correlation between yes. um, the houses that surrounded those shopping
0: centres and dog bites. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: exactly. Like they're just going nuts <laughs> because of sound.
0: The other funny thing about that, the shopping centres thing, is that because kids are geniuses, they took that and they – Flipped it and they reversed it. When I was in school, what kids would do was they would take a really high-pitched tone and they'd set it as their text tone. So yeah. that way, when their phone went off while they were in class, they knew that they got a text, but the teacher didn't because they never heard it. So
1: you'd have to adjust it every time you went to a new period. You'd have no choice because, you know, you've got the brand new teacher and then you've yeah. got the person who's been teaching for a while.
0: Yep, yeah, right. And you might have like, yeah, the young teachers who were like just out of uni and like, yeah. oh, I heard that. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> well, they wouldn't say it like that. And it'd be, i tell you what, I mean, it does take some cojones,
1: so to speak, to be actually go, <laughs> this is the first time you do it. <laughs> like, You'd be yeah. really hoping that you got it right.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I just, yeah, I, lo- I love this idea. I think it's just fantastic that, um, I mean, <laughs> the thing about Skrillex, and this album, is that it won two Grammys, but it seems like Skrillex is just universally hated and now we found out that Insects hate Skrillex too, which is (laughs) really, really funny.
1: Mind you, it's a bit of fun to put through a Ruben's tube.
0: Oh, true.
1: Yeah, if you never know what a Ruben's tube is, so we've got a bunch of these different uh, gas burners, effectively. They're giant ones. and They're like two metres long with a whole bunch of holes along them. And if you play different uh, notes, uh, frequencies through these Ruben's tubes, you then get different peaks and troughs of waves of fire above the tube. Mm. And you play music down it. And Skrillex is one of them that you can just throw down it.
0: And it would work because it has a mix of really low frequencies and high frequencies, which is exactly why, um, well, mosquitoes and people hate it.
1: Got it. So the only thing it likes is a mechanical device. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Now, mind you, I highly owe you a Skrillex lovers, by
0: the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I used to really like Skrillex. I actually Mm. once, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I once crashed my car while listening to Skrillex.
1: Oh, (laughs) so you've got a bias.
0: Somewhat, yeah. Maybe it's (laughs) just I went very anti-Skrillex after that because I was doing some spirited driving hello police if you're listening so it's almost
1: um, <laughs> um pavlovian if the skrillex is out there you might yeah. crash your car. yeah exactly i <laughs> yeah. don't mind skrillex i mean they're like everything all in small doses
0: yeah for sure i mean i re-listened to this song after hearing this and i was like that's actually a pretty great track yeah like you know the the 18 year old in me is going
1: yeah but not if you're an 80s mosquito no <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> awesome all right should we leave it leave it at that yeah all right well that's a wrap on physics twist for this week Thanks for joining us, Ben. I had a blast. Yeah, awesome. Now, I didn't think we we didn't actually mention this in the intro, but Ben is the director and and CEO. Are you both? Do you get both titles?
1: Uh, Some (laughs) random
0: thing that makes me feel awkward (laughs) when people mention it. CEO, COO, CFO, all the titles. Oh, we get a lot of help, though. (laughs) Yes, that is true. Mm. Um, So I hope you enjoyed that and see you next week. Bye. See you later.